Rory back in the studio. Hey! Serena back in the studio. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the a lie. Light, woo. That's a lie. We're not in a studio. We're currently in a courtyard. This is going to be the most low budget of all of the podcasts. We have Rory's banana as a second microphone. Yeah. We're using Serena's REI bottle as a third microphone. You know what, though? We haven't had sun this week in Berkeley. There was a lot of precipitation. It's been pretty cold this entire week. We're trying to come with the heat. Yeah, exactly. So, Rory, as you liked, as you said in the last podcast, we're not the last podcast two ago. We're, we're coming for a certain individual who likes to have long podcasts. We, are, we were coming for Rogan. The key word there is were, because Rory, it finally happened. Yeah, big brother, stop this. We've been censored, Rory. <laughs> We've been censored because we live in a communist state, dictatorship <laughs> that doesn't want us to express our true selves. So, uh, apparently, one... They hate freedom. <laughs> they hate America. Apparently, and our... they hate the human spirit. Apparently, hour-long 40-minute... Uh, how many How many minutes is that? Like, 150 uh, long? Yeah, we had some long ones. I don't... Yeah. Thank you. I think the fans wanted it, though. We that's, had to, that's what I was getting. We're just coming with that heat. So yeah. we're going to have to make this one shorter. We're going to have to condense a lot into 40 minutes. We're going to have Serena over here, also known as the Spice Queen, keeping track. She's going to yell at us every <laughs> after every 10 seconds. She's going to yell at us to remind every us. Every 10 seconds? <laughs> I don't know if we'll get through the I said what I said every 10, 10 seconds. <laughs> wow. All right. So that being said, let's get into it. Just to recap the past couple of days because you know we didn't cover the Stanford game. We recorded a couple days yeah. before in protest of the game being on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> so Cal's record currently sits at 5 and 18, 0 and 11 in conference. They are currently riding a 12 game losing streak that's now the longest in program history. And now it's I think it's 19 going back to last season. Did we consider conference? Yeah. So it's been a long time since we uh, tasted a W. I think I saw somewhere on the, the highlight reel that the last conference win was like February 4th, which if that is the case, it's currently February 10th. We've, oh, Cal, has gone, me? Cal has gone more than a year without a conference <laughs> oh, win. Oh, Jesus. Welcome, welcome to California Golden Bears basketball. Wow, <laughs> so that is Su- depressing. So on Super Bowl Sunday, Cal falls to Stanford 84-81. You know, we talked about the crowd, whether or not they would show up. The crowd was okay. It was kind of like a normal crowd, mm-hmm. but considering it was Super Bowl Sunday, and also considering it was Gold Night, it was just there was a feeling that if this hadn't been on that day, there probably would have been more of a turnout, especially because it was like raining and cold too. Yeah, that certainly didn't help. Yeah, I mean it was it was actually a better turnout than I was expecting, though. Um, I mean, you tweeted that there was some energy in there, right? There was definitely some energy there. Yeah, and. It would lead one to think if this game was on a Saturday and a certain Cal alumnus who didn't have the greatest performance in the world on Super Bowl Sunday, if he had a, if all of that wasn't happening, you, you kind of figured that there would have been more of a turnout. But the big play in that game was with about 13 seconds remaining, Matt Bradley gets run off the paint, collides with Josh Sharman in the air, hits this ridiculously acrobatic layup that was more of like a pass off the backboard as he was falling than an actual layup. It was originally called a blocking foul on Sharma, but upon review, Sharma's uh, feet were out of the circle. Call changed from a block to a charge. Ban the charge. I know. You, I was just gonna say that. I know you hate the charge. And ever it's since not, it's ever, not defense. Ever since you said that, I just realized how many of these like really borderline 50-50 foul like or charges there are. 
It's, oh, yeah. It's a little ridiculous. And the college refs love to call, call charges. I don't know what it is. They love to call everything. Yeah. They're just they're all terrible, honestly. But especially in the back 12 It's really bad. That was a terrible call. Yeah, I didn't even – I think Viking even said in the postgame that he didn't know you could overturn that call. Yeah, to go back and then overturn – like, yeah. That's about the worst way you could possibly lose. They did have some time after it was changed from a block to a charge. They especially had time because um, Casey Okpala missed one of the two free throws after he was fouled. But then they ran like this really bad set. I don't know what happened. Paris Austin takes a yeah, 30 footer. Yeah, terrible. Not the greatest way to end the game. But Casey Okpala, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals in what very may well be his last game at Haas Pavilion. Bryce Wills with 16 points, Dejon Davis with 14. Both Wills and Davis had 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. Cali 4 players in double figures and 4 with 2 steals. Just assuming 23 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. Any, any real thoughts from this game, just in terms of like overall how the, the flow of the game went? I thought Stanford played as badly as they probably could have. Cal played as great as they kind of could have. And it still wasn't enough. And that was pretty concerning because that game was for the taking right there. And Stanford, I mean, Apollo had a great game, but a lot of the other guys were off. And uh, that was a game that we should have won, really, when you look back on it. So it was disappointing, for sure. I remember I was keeping track of Cal's lead as the minutes kept dwindling by. Yeah. And I think it was like a f- like five-point lead with seven minutes left, five-point lead with five minutes left, five-point lead with four minutes left. And these are two both very young teams, so it's hard to pin it solely on youth. Mm-hmm. But when Stanford does have a player of the caliber of, of Casey Opala... I mean, we just couldn't guard him. We have no one to guard him. I think they threw multiple bodies at him, and they just... I think there was this, a matchup nightmare. There's this one move where I think he like split two defenders and just like had like a little a scoop shot, and I'm thinking, how do you guard that? He dunked on Vanover, right? He did. Yeah. He also had like nasty. there was like a scoop layup over Vanover where he kind of just went right at him and like had a little hook that was right over his Oof. arms. Speaking of Vanover, I forgot to mention a career high of 15 points. He has returned. Vanover's with the returned. new haircut. With the new haircut, we'll get into him in a little more. A little more depth after we run through the rest of the Oregon trip. And that Oregon trip started with a 73-62 loss to the Oregon Ducks. This was the game that broke the record for the most consecutive losses. We were in the, the Daily Cal office for this game. Yep. Got some, got some little menchies. Got some menchies, frozen yogurt. Shout That's out. pretty good. This is not a sponsorship, but just shout out. Yeah, basically that game was Cal actually didn't play super badly. Um, Oregon was actually turning the ball over a ton and uh, looked a little uneven at times on defense, but they just shot the lights out. Their effective field goal percentage during the game was 65%, which was pretty insane. Um, Peyton Pritchard had a double-double points and rebounds. I think it's worth noting that Peyton Pritchard is a guard. He is I mean, a point guard. He's like 6'2", 6'3", something yeah, of that and nature. If that tells you about Cal's rebounding acumen right there. <laughs> That we let Peyton Pritchard get 10 rebounds. Um, Kenny Wooten was dunking all over us. He had a really nasty putback that had us running out of our seats. He had that everyone out at the office. He had that sequence where I think he blocked Bradley on one end, 
Yeah. Streaks across the court and then jumps over Bradley. That's where you're like, this guy needs to be in the NBA. Um, yeah, they had pretty even scoring all around. Lewis King had 12. Paul White, Paul White had 11. Will Richardson had 8. And then as far as Cal suing, of course, uh, lead in the charge, 17 points. Uh, 9 of 10 from the line is a good sign. Ferris Austin had 12 points. Um, I think he had five. Yeah, he had five assists. So five assists, decent five game for him. Darius McNeil hit a few threes, but yeah, I don't think Cal played that badly. It was just Oregon shot super well. Like they hit all their jumpers, which was actually if Oregon a few of those jumpers don't go down, I think it's a closer game than it was. But. Now, regarding that, the, just how Oregon was hitting a lot of their shots, mm-hmm. I got a stat for you, Rory. Oh. Oregon hit 75% of their two-pointers. Jesus. That is the worst number Jesus. in terms of Cal allowing two-pointers all season. I think the second worst was Utah, and that was like 71%. Mm. I think the actual number was they hit 18 of their 24 two-pointers. And we... the. The interior defense of Cal, like their ales, have been well documented. But 75%? That's almost JV versus varsity numbers. Well, what was concerning about that and related to the interior was uh, Andre Kelly was non-existent in that game. Zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists. I think he only played 12 minutes. Um, So I guess they missed him inside. I mean, who knows? He could have stunned the tide a little bit there. I think at this point, regardless of who they throw out, whether it is Vanover <laughs> or Kelly or Antisovich, they're, they're going to have a, a relatively have tough a time. tough time, but boy, that is beyond a tough time. And I was noticing this, too, and this, this is a nice lead into the Oregon State game, but in both the Oregon and the Oregon State game, there was a lot of moments where whoever had the ball just had – it was very easy to get inside the arc. It was yeah. dribble penetration in terms of defense was – almost non-existent and I kind of noticed this a little more as I watched the highlights of the Oregon and Oregon State game it's soup it's kind of frightening just how easily defenders blow by or get blown by yeah like it's so they don't really stick out their arms <laughs> in terms of trying to you know doing a stick stance and kind of just like a little ole mm-hmm. defense in a way mm-hmm. and like I think we've talked about this earlier but it feels like if you just pass the ball around the perimeter three or four times, a rotation is going to get messed up on Cal's defense, <laughs> and you'll get an open look somewhere on the floor. So, yeah, it's not great. There were a lot of moments when I was watching the highlights, and, again, with, like, the Pac-12 extended highlights, they don't go, like, back the full, like, maybe five seconds to yeah. see how play developed. But there was a lot of times where I was thinking, is this man or is this just really bad zone? It's- <laughs> And sometimes I wouldn't be able to tell. Sometimes I will, we don't know. I will give Cal credit. On the last podcast, I said I hope they never played zone again, which I think that that's was your, that's your hot take. That was one of my hotter takes of the yeah. season. It was part delusion, part just you know, it was a little frustration from seeing the zone get exploited so many times. But you got to give Cal credit, especially during the Oregon State game. There was a lot of moments when they did apply pressure. They would sort of trap someone. Mm-hmm. There were some moments when they would apply a trap, but whoever had the ball would just like slip by anyhow yeah but it's sort of good to see them just being able to you know string together that defensive energy over they are pretty bringing good energy i think 
on that end better than earlier in the conference. <laughs> we stopped recording for a few seconds because someone walked in the courtyard. Yeah. And I think we, it, it's worth noting that we're recording on a Sunday and the office is a lot more filled up on Sundays. So I think we got to start bringing it back to Saturday. Saturdays? Even, even if it is the delusional hours, otherwise known as draking hours. Yeah, we really, yeah. I guess that's our time. That's so I, our time to shine. So I guess this is our segue to the Oregon State game, the, the, most, yeah. cl- the most clunky segue of all time. <laughs> but, Cal, that, this was probably the – well, I wouldn't say the toughest. The Stanford game was a really tough pill to swallow, but it was another hard-fought game. Cal falls to Oregon State 79-71. And if you remember last year, this was actually their last conference win if we're bringing it back all the way to the last calendar yeah. year. And that, in that game, it did take Kingsley Okoro's first double-double, him a 57% career free-throw shooter to hit 12 of 14 from the line. That's just incredible. But history would not repeat itself. No. So every time Oregon State made some noise, Cal came right back with like a punch of his own. Uh-huh. And it was great to see that. You know, every time Oregon State was like poised to make a run, Cal just wouldn't let them run away with the game. And this was actually a two-point game with about 145 left. But Cal missed some shots down the stretch. Oregon State executed. Some terrible sets there at the end. In particular, there was one. We came out of a timeout, I think, with like 110 left, and just drew up nothing. Apparently, it was just we passed it back and forth. And then we ran a pick and pop with Vanover, and then he just got blocked. Um, so the execution wasn't there, but you're right. It was a super hard-fought game, and I was impressed with the energy we were bringing. I think even though these are the last three games have resulted in losses, you know, that, that Jay-Z line, moral victories are for minor league coaches, but <laughs> <laughs> I think just what? considering the way that this, this season has gone for Cal... I love that reference. I, I think that, that's a quality reference. I think some moral victories at this point in the season. You kind of that's need all those. we have. That's all we can ask for at this point. And I have to say, I'm buying in a little bit. I was texting you guys. I was like, I feel like, well, we might actually get a win now. Beautiful. The efforts there. So this is a beautiful segue to the sort of main overarching topic that I want to talk about: the chance of a winless season. Considering Washington State's two wins against Arizona and Arizona State, which part of me wishes we were a Washington State podcast just for this weekend so we could talk about the madness that was those two Incredible. But the Washington State wins coupled with the Cal losses, the chance of a winless record, according to Ken Palm, stands at 21.4%, gradually climbing. But based on the fight that we've seen in the last three games, this... Really, this no longer feels like a team that will go winless in conference. It feels like game in, game out. They've taken haymakers, and they, they've taken every team's best, and yet they're still there going into every game, yeah. putting it all on the floor. Um, yeah, I don't know. Early in the conference, it felt like this team was, in conference play, was just dead, and there wasn't a lot of fight there. I don't know. Credit to Wyking. I feel like he's motivated his guys a little bit to uh, keep putting forth that effort and playing pretty unselfishly. Um, so, I've, yeah, I've been impressed. And I think it's perfect timing that UCLA is coming to town <laughs> next week. And <laughs> look at their, <laughs> so the, their most recent headline was, this, is, this game is so drunk. This is from the the SB Nation fan site. So yeah. they're not feeling great over there. Karma, selfishness, free throws, and strange coaching. 
It, it was not a what great. A, what a lead. It was not a great week for UCLA. They lost to Colorado. It was, I think it was by 20, if not 20, it was close to it. And, Man. you know, sometimes those games just happen, especially with this UCLA team. Yeah, boy. But Utah had a, they were down 22 points to UCLA on the road, and UCLA blows the lead. Parker Van Dyke hits a game winner with no time left. So nice. Do you see the announcer called it? He was like, watch the trailer, watch the trailer. And then Parker Van Dyke came up, hit the shot. Oh, it was beautiful to see. So Why if, wasn't Moses Brown playing? Have we gotten – I was trying to figure that out. I'm not he sure. He didn't play that game. If Moses Brown doesn't play against Cal, because he killed us at Poly, you were there, maybe we have a shot, dare I say. I mean, you called an upset the last time I they played did. the LA team. Are you gonna, do you want to come with a hot take? Are, are you coming with Yo, the facts? I think UCLA is – they're damaged right now. Can we just like replay what you said about USC? And yeah. Then just apply that to UCLA. Yeah. That's my take. USC is broken psychologically, spiritually, as a team. There is no team at USC right now. The FBI is down their necks. We're we're ready, bro. We're coming for the bag men. We're coming for everyone on USC. Just insert US UCLA instead of USC. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. Luke uh, Moses Brown was not playing that game, so maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's done. Maybe he's quit on UCLA. Maybe there's some locker room issues. You know, with UCLA, nothing is out of the picture in no. terms of what could possibly be happening. I think the announcers did say he was healthy. I think he was just a DNPCD. Do not play coach's wow. decision. Wow, something Moses. What'd you do? <laughs> What'd you do? But I know that in regards to articles, we don't believe in the, the concept of momentum. I've never been the, nope. the biggest fan of that strategy in terms of our writing, but we're not writing an article. <laughs> we're, talk, we're just talking. So I this think is an that, oral that heading into that UCLA game, uh-huh. I think mo- some, some momentum does have to be taken into account here because you have Cal. You know, I don't have the scores in front of me right now, but I believe that the last three losses – None of them have been blowouts. None of them have been blowouts. I don't think any of them have been by more than 10 points. The Oregon State game was a hard-fought game on the road. The Stanford game, that's a call away from potentially flipping to a win. Ban the charge. <laughs> and the Oregon game, it wasn't a beautiful game, but you know there was that fight there. And you know they did get in the passing lane. They did force a lot of turnovers, which plays right into UCLA's weakness. They turn the ball over like it's the YMCA, like it's an RSF. Yeah. And they're not a very cohesive unit on the offensive end. It's kind of they rely on their talent way too much. So if one of them has an off shooting night and if Moses Brown is out here not playing, who knows? Do you wanna call it? Or are you just gonna you gonna leave it up to the Uh I'll call it. Oh, oh, oh Spice Queen Spice Queen off the top rope I think if Cal has one win it's this season it'll be against UCLA this Wednesday. Wow. You heard it here first. On wax. On wax. I couldn't come full circle there. I couldn't. Well, my thing was USC, so. Okay. I'm going to switch it up. I'll call USC, you call UCLA. All right. There we go. Two. You have cats. We're winning both. We're sweeping LA. Isn't this this what we said like a month ago? (laughs) I'm pretty sure. No, I was saying winless conference. 
I was saying we were going to take one of USC or UCLA. And I zeroed in on USC. That was a mistake. <laughs> at the time. But you know what? I misled, misread the tea leaves. Okay. <laughs> the prophecies are actually coming to me more clear now. USC, we're coming for you. I'm not afraid. Okay? Boat right? I'm not afraid. Is this the, the minutes <laughs> claps? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are these claps? I thought she was applauding my flawless yeah. argument. Yeah, it could be both. Flawless logic. Let's just call it both. Okay. So, yeah, we're sweeping LA, apparently. Moving on. I have a little more confidence in them beating UCLA than USC, just because... So do I. Just because USC has boat right and Ray comes I don't believe what I'm saying. I am a plant, okay? I'm just here to stir the pot. I am a plant. No, I'm a corporate shell. You okay? ain't said nothing but a word. Yeah. You sold out to who, Big Banana? Yeah, big dude. Shout out Big Banana. Sold out to Big Water, Big Aquafina. Big Water, Big Pharma, everything. <laughs> yeah, I think that if... I don't think the USC game's gonna... I think no, if, we're probably gonna get destroyed. If there's a game for Cal to get like, <laughs> if there was, how are we supposed to stop Lukasevich? Yeah, if there's or a game, right. if there's a game for Cal to come crashing back to reality, it's that USC game. <laughs> you know, granted, Kevin Porter Jr. has been an enigma. I honestly, just as someone who doesn't cover USC, I just see that situation, and I'm just confused. Was he the one at the undisclosed location where undisclosed events may or may not have occurred? According to an anonymous source, yeah, there's a whole bunch of redacted information <laughs> that we that we cannot verify. We'd have to kill you if you, we told you. So, but we've heard some rumblings about some behind the scenes yeah. actions of the the actions of Kevin Porter Just Jr. Just enjoying college life, you know. But Kevin Porter Jr. has kind of been this weird. I, I'm not sure like what's really been going on with his season. I think it, at this point, it's in his best interest to stay another year, which he was like touted as a one and done guy. And, you know, he might just say, screw it, I'll get drafted late first round, second round, let me just get out of here. I don't know if he's having a particularly great time in USC. And I mean, except for that one night. <laughs> and considering, considering that, you know, we've seen Emmanuel Acott transfer, former Wild. teammate Jordan Usher. To Boise State. Vontae Hendricks. You know, it Did wouldn't Boise State drop the bag? Are Boise State in the bag-dropping game? I think Emmanuel Acott just wanted minutes or, and, like, more of a role at this point. I don't know, man. He's, he's an Arizona boy. You know how they operate. <laughs> well, they are getting – the FBI is down there shout next Shout out right FBI. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be shouting out the feds, Rory. Shout out to the feds. Boise State freshman was arrested this morning. What? Freshman guard. Who? Who? Wait, breaking news. What? Um – Jackson, That's a very interesting way to spell Jackson. I've never seen that in my life. Is this a Boise State podcast now? It Wait, one of their players got arrested? This morning. Former three-star recruit charged with misdemeanor battery and loitering. Oi, bae. This is Oy. college basketball. <laughs> we, we need to steer the ship back to Cal basketball. We, wow. We have veered off course. But as I alluded to uh, a couple minutes ago, Connor Vanover's back. The last three games, he's averaging 14 points, four rebounds, 1.7 blocks, shooting 68.8% on two-pointers, 41.7% on threes, and one new hairstyle. I, what do we call that? Do we call that, like, the 
rooting plant. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the bud, the... It looks like a four-year-old toddler's kind of, like, pigtail. Like, I don't know. Do we have a word for that? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, we just call it the van over? The vanny? I was just going to say, let's just call it the van over. The vanny. The vanny? <laughs> the vanny. Vanny pack. <laughs> the vanny. But, you know, we talked about previously how van over had kind of... I think you mentioned that he might have, uh, White King may have soured on Vanover. But, yeah, it seemed like that for a minute there. But he's finally back. He's playing big minutes. I believe in the Oregon State game, he played a career-high 30 minutes. Coupled that with the career-high 5 rebounds, I think against Oregon, the career-high 15 points. He also had a 4-block performance. I don't think there's... There are very few players in the Pac-12 that can sort of impact the game in the way yeah. that Connor does. He's a dynamic player. I mean, he's a matchup nightmare stretch you out. He actually made a behind-the-back pass. I saw that. Oregon State game? Well, that was late in the game, yeah, too. There was some was confidence like, there. my guy out here just making plays. Um, so maybe he's our next point guard. There we go. I was, Don't worry, Bears fans. I was thinking of this, and I want to get your impact. You know, we'd like to have Roy's live reactions to things. I would yeah. like to see your live reaction as well, Serena. I think, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they played together. Bowl Bowl? I think Vanover's best comp is Bol Bol. Because think Ooh. about it. Not, not necessarily in terms of how good he is, but just like in terms of their play style. You know, they're both 7'3", seven, 7'4", seven, very skinny. They're more of like... They're, they're the mo- yin and yang. They're more of like a guard that got like stretched out with like a baking roller. Yeah, or that thing in the Middle Ages that they would torture you with, that would like stretch your legs out. <laughs> 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 From that, yo, if oh you told God. me Connor Vanover was from a fantasy dimension and like tear through the space time continuum and he's out here walking amongst us and he's not human, I would not be shocked. That's all I'm saying, okay? That's all I'm saying. But you know, the way that I've seen Vanover play the last three games, well, Serena, did you want to have any input on that before I sort of? No, I just don't know that we should laugh about torture. <laughs> It's middle-aged torture, okay? Right. It's funny. So, I think, in, I think in terms of Vanover, how he's essentially gotten his minutes back. Uh-huh. And with that consistent helping of minutes, he's been playing very well. He's hitting threes again. He's hitting mid-range shots again. His defense, you know... Comes and goes. The entire Cal defense kind of comes and goes. You'll see it on a possession-by-possession basis. But he can just stick his arms out and, like, block dudes. You know? There is like, that. <laughs> there's just that factor of just... Throw your arms out, something good might happen. But I do see a couple times when he's like out of position, and you know you don't want to see that out of your big man, especially yeah. especially for a team that just allowed two pointers to be hit at a clip of seventy five percent. Well, if Roman Davis didn't have those back issues, our defense would have been. Way more are you, are you, you putting it all in the load management on Roman Davis? This is a problem, yeah. But I think of all of the, I've kind of flip flopped with who I think is the most encouraging freshman, you know beginning of the season I did say Andre Kelly who we yeah. can touch on a little more in depth but I think it it's a three-horse race right I kind of oscillate at this point in the season I oscillate back and forth between Vanover and as you said Matt Bradley yeah who was doing a cool little dance move uh, <laughs> in the Stanford game oh you yeah saw that. <laughs> after he busted the... out a little a little sauce <laughs> what do we call <laughs> that 
it, was, it wasn't quite salsa. It wasn't quite sauce. It was something in between. They it were, was great, though. They, they were, they having, were a good having time. fun on the court. It was incredible to see. They were having a good time. I've never seen them have fun on the court. I the Bradley. The Bradley? The Bradley. Like that. But speaking of Bradley, I've had this, I've been thinking about this for the past three games as well. You know, you've seen Bradley come off the bench in the last yeah. three games, and you've seen Juwan start the last three games. Now, the Viking has rolled out a lot of different starting lineups. And he never started the last game, too. He did start the last game as well. His first start since that weird Washington State game where he only played eight minutes. But as we know, it's more about minutes distribution rather than who actually starts these games. Yeah. But maybe there's like a sort of Mono Ginobili, Lou Williams type thing going on here where you Whoa. reserve. I'm not comparing Whoa. them. I'm just, I'm talking about Headline in terms of role. Just as, 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 as ran over as Manu Ginobili. I was going to say Bradley. Oh, you want Bradley? Okay, yeah. Just in terms of that role. So against Oregon State, there was a lineup of Austin, Harris Dyson, McNeil, Suing and Vanover. Now, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of different variations of the starting lineup. Uh-huh. But where you, where would you like to see the starting lineups going forward? Would you like to have Bradley coming off the bench and having this more t- traditional, like six-man score? And then Kelly came off the bench as well. I think that's worth noting as I've well. I've been saying all year, I want Kelly and Vanover starting. Give me Kelly, Vanover, Justice. Matt Bradley and Paris Austin. That's my lineup right there. So you're swapping McNeil to the bench. McNeil, as we've been saying, that's your thing. I think he would be actually a great guy off the bench. I mean, we talked about the potential issues behind it, but he's he's a microwave. He can get going very quickly, so he'd actually be an awesome six-man. I know that Vanover, I just looked it up, Vanover and Kelly have started once together, but... I believe that was the only time yeah. they ever started together. So I think there's a reason for that just in terms of, you know, they're not exactly the greatest defenders mm-hmm. and it's just how many – do you want to limit just how badly the – I just feel like Kelly defense. would have a lot more room to operate and he wouldn't be the post-up, like, impersonating a big man who actually posts up because that's not Kelly's game. He's a much more open floor type of player. I feel like Vanover could – he's going to space the floor and he's going to take the biggest guy with him. So well, I, didn't, I think that would be the main benefit. I know that Kelly did attempt a mid-range jumper against Oregon State. And I, wow. It's kind of sad that that's like the, the bar that we've set for him <laughs> expanding his game. That's terrible. But I know that on Suing's Instagram story, he did have Kelly taking a three-point shot from like kind of deep. And, he's and he drained it. And so you see that, and you're like, maybe, maybe let him shoot a couple threes. I know we've, yeah. ta- we've talked about this ad nauseum, so not to wax poetic, just maybe have him shoot some. Just do it. A little more. Maybe go five out. Yeah, honestly. Let's do it. <laughs> Is that the there next, we go. The next yeah, warning? We there we go. <laughs> yeah, we got like nine minutes left. we got to wrap this thing up. Um, another point that I did want to bring up was McNeil in the Oregon State game. I think it, this, this is a, a perfect example of why McNeil is a very – interesting figure for me just in terms of me watching him because in the first half of that Oregon State game he was kind of playing hot potato with the basketball in that the second he got it he was like I gotta shoot this thing right now Mm -hmm. no thought just boom and he was making shots he had 16 points in the first half and you tweeted he was gonna go for like 30 (laughs) I tweeted that his career high was 30 and he was on pace to hit that like he would get a pass in the corner there'd be a man right next to him and then it's like boom 
I'm yeah. shooting that shot. And even with drives, like he was confident he might have traveled on one of them. I think he, <laughs> he very may well have traveled on one of his drives. But he was confident going to the rim, and that's the McNeil that I love to see because yeah, when he's at his most aggressive, he's at his best. Totally. And then in the second half, zero points. Oof. I don't remember how many shots that he missed, but I do remember that it was one possession. I think he got the ball on the left wing, and he had a little bit of room to shoot it, and then he just straight up passed it off. And I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's where you know, that lack of consistent aggression over like a 40-minute game sort of limits him as a player because when he's just no holds barred, I'm going to play, I'm going to score, that's when he's at his best. But yeah. when you see him in that second half, it's sort of this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type situation that goes on. Wow. The references today, <laughs> they've been off the charts. Yeah, no, it's, that's kind of the story of Darius McNeil's career in a lot of ways is these flashes of brilliance followed by you kind of forget he's on the floor, like an Andrew Wiggins effect. So... That's why, I mean, if he came off the bench, he'd give you those bursts of scoring that he specializes in. I think there's something about just him going back in the locker room. But I, I really don't understand it because this is predated back to his freshman year. I remember in the last game of the season last year, the Stanford game, I think he had 18 points in the first half. Like He was firing on all cylinders, yeah. man in his face. He didn't care. He was taking the shot. And then in the second half, he was kind of non-existent. And I mean, part of it is the defense keys on keys on him more when he's, um, you know, obviously going off. They're going to send more defenders at him. But, yeah, I don't know. If, he, if that's, like, an internal thing that turns off or if the coaches are telling him to, like, you have guys coming at you try to spread the ball around now, I'm not sure what it is. But I'm not even sure if it's a matter of guys are coming at him. Because, like, I think we've seen that, you know, even if someone's there, he's like... He's willing if, to shoot, yeah. If he's willing to shoot, like, he's not afraid if there's someone in his face, but the second he shows that My slight thing? bit of hesitation, then it's yeah. like, where do we go from here? He doesn't attempt a lot of free throws. He does not. Which is not great. He's. I feel like he's either well behind the three-point line shooting it, or, like, he's on a fast break transition opportunity. There's no defenders around. He just lays it up or dunks it. I'd really like to see him get to the line more because that establishes his rhythm as well. As you mentioned that, I was trying to think of the last time that Darius McNeil took a free throw. So zero free throw attempts against Oregon State. So let, let's see here. <laughs> let's go back to Because Oregon. I honestly don't remember the last time he took a free yeah. throw. That's, it's honestly, what do you think that tells you when you see a guy who's not going to line? None against Oregon. He had to do a shot in one against Stanford. Let's see. I got this, actually, I got the Stanford box right here. Uh, no, none against Stanford. Wow. So he's taken zero free throws. What does in the that last tell you when you see that? Because to me, that says you're not aggressive. You are. I think Washington was last time. Washington. Washington was the last time he took a free throw. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, none against. <laughs> none against Utah. Okay, when was the last time he made a free throw? Washington State. So it's been Jesus. Was that like five, six games since? Dude, that's unacceptable as a guard. You gotta get to the line. Yeah, seven games ago. I think it's with McNeil. It's not a matter of aggression. It's just the ability to draw fouls. Because there are moments when he'll. But if you just drive, like we know in college, if you drive, they're gonna call a foul half the time. Like that's Justice's game. It's him just banging into dudes and he gets a foul call. You know. 
just like the maybe it's the wrong type of aggression. He's aggressive with the threes, but with not the threes, so much. Not with driving to the paint. Like, dude, if he ball fakes, they're gonna go for the shot, and he can drive in and draw a foul. Like, it's pretty simple stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't seem willing to go to the line. I don't so, know what his percentage is from the line. So are you saying you want him to be more? Seventy-seven percent. That's, That's a solid percentage. That's yeah, not great though for a shooting guard, for a dude who's. Like we always say, free throw percentage just tells you a lot about a guy's three-point potential. Uh, so if that's, I don't know. Are you saying you want Darius McNeil to be more like Don Coleman? <laughs> <laughs> you said that. You said that. Uh, we got about three minutes left. I think it's worth noting for a guy who played, I think, four, like three combined minutes. Um, Jacob Orender. Yakub! Shout out. What are your th- <laughs> just straight up? What are your thoughts on I this? I thought, I think this guy should be starting. He he brings a lot of energy. He uh, he'll shoot some ill-advised shots against Oregon. He was wide open. So like, if the de- the defenders aren't going to guard him, he's going to have these wide open shots. Let's do it. The season's over. Let's just gamble. I don't care anymore. Let's just do it. He's a senior too. He's a senior. Get give this man his shine. I, well, I was thinking about this now. You know so. what? We're gonna beat USC with thirty points from Jacob. You heard it here first. <laughs> so I was. He's gonna yam on boat right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you you mentioning that brings up an interesting conundrum. So assuming let's just assume that Cal loses every game heading into that Washington State game that we've talked about for yeah. like months now. That's senior night. Oh, what, it's like a movie. What happens in that situation? <laughs> Once again, we, there's been a person who, who came into the courtyard, no fault of their own. No respect for the <laughs> podcast. We just get run over. It was actually the we same. get our time shortened. <laughs> we get our pods interrupted. It was actually the same person who's telling us to, to shorten the podcast. I, think, I don't I, think it was intentional. I, I think there's an anti uh, sports department bias here. Oh, I think we need to branch off. We Whoa. need to secede from the Daily Cow. <laughs> I'm starting it now. We're gonna the Daily follow Cow. us to the Athletic. They just buy everyone, <laughs> so they'll buy us too. Shout out Ethan Strauss, by the way, getting in that drama. That was great. Yeah, Ethan Strauss over here. <laughs> I was laughing hey, so much. Daily Cow alumnus. Wait, really? He's a Daily Cow alumnus. Wow. Mike out Silver, here, out here Jason Jones, off, Ethan Sherwood Strauss. We, wow. We, we run things. Everyone was flaming him in the Reddit thread. It was great. <laughs> He's the most hated man in media right now. If the Warriors dynasty falls, it's a, much to Serena's. We, we know Serena. We know the clan. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Jacob, uh, put him in. It's time. It's his time. It's time. It's his time. It's his moment. It's his one golden moment. Oh, uh, plug. I will give him credit. He did provide a lot of that. I haven't played in a long time, so I'm going to put everything on the floor type energy. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of grit. He's a first one in, last guy out type of player. Real <laughs> lunch bail. <laughs> Sounded like you, Roy, the soul yeah, scrappy. You know, he's very scrappy. The maximum athletic. <laughs> Okay. He is secretly speedy. <laughs> All my white guy adjectives coming out. Well, we're at the forty minute mark. We gotta cut it off. No more words. <laughs> <laughs> no more words. Do we do we have any final thoughts though before we get out of here? 
final thoughts. Maybe start recording on Saturday so we don't have to record in a quarter. Yeah. yeah, I'll say that. Um, we led a Stanford daily. What's her? Stanford Daily? Is that what it's Stanford called? Stanford Daily. We let a Stanford Daily writer in this building, and I feel dirty because of it. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. <laughs> I feel like this is a sacrosanct space, and we let a Stanford Cardinal in here, and I don't like it. You I don't, don't like fraternizing with the enemy. You don't like the collab? To be honest. You don't mess with the vision? No. You don't mess with the greater journalism no. world? <laughs> Never forget Ink Bowl. They are so dirty. <laughs> they are so dirty. Serena, do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I just think next podcast there'll be a win to talk about. Whoa! Oh. And Justice will bring cookies. Yeah, I've failed to deliver on that promise. Yeah. Twice. This man. That's all you have. I gotta, That's I gotta, all you have is your word. I gotta keep them as a myth. I gotta keep them as the legend. No. These freshmen don't know. Oh, God. This is... This is going to be the baking world's equivalent to Bo Jackson. Everybody has a story. Wow. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> and on that note, episode 11, we haven't been fired yet. Keep cashing them checks. We're going to hit the three-hour mark eventually. We're going to rebel. Yeah. <laughs> the coming. rebellion is brewing. Yeah. I won't be there for that one. <laughs> the revolution will not be televised. The revolution yeah. will not be tweeted. It will be podcasted. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to 2019. On Justice's birthday, we're eating cupcakes with the candle lit. Definitely. Shout out to Bill Walton, eating cupcakes with the candle lit. Episode number 11. See y'all next week. Peace.